for the last uh, three, four, five weeks. And we're going to continue on. Peter is talking to a group of believers that's kind of scattered around. And one of the things that you need to understand about that group of believers is that group of believers had spent 16 years under Nero as a Roman emperor who was an incredibly pagan, ungodly Roman emperor who hated Christianity, who tried to make Christians' lives as, as miserable as possible. So Peter writes to these people, and one of the things that he says is, look, you need to understand that in life it's going to be difficult. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have trial. I'm going to tell you how to respond as a believer during those times. And so he spent the first part, chapters 1 and 2, talking to specific groups of people. He talked to, first of all, people who were just in the social world at that time and said, this is how you respond to a society that could care less about God. And then he talked specifically to people who were upset with the Roman government and the government of the time. And he said, this is how you respond. And then he talked specifically to people who were slaves, who had masters that were, that were um, harsh to them. And then he specifically looked at women, and he specifically looked at or wives and husbands, and he specifically said, here's how you deal with unfair, undifficult situations there. And a theme that came up over and over again in all of those groups was the idea of submission. And we talked about that idea. What Peter was saying is this. Be careful about focusing on your rights. Don't make it about you. Make it about the gospel. At the end of dealing with the government or people or husbands or wives or your masters or whoever, at the end of that, you ought to be able to share the gospel with them. You ought to make, your life ought to back it up. And now Peter is going to make a shift in, in the four verses we're going to look at this morning. And he's going to look at it now, he's going to apply it now to every believer. And he's going to deal with some internal things and some external things. And he's going to say, look, if you really want to be a, reflect Christ, then let me tell you what you need to work on. Let me tell you what you need to be, be, be really careful about. And here's what he says in 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Um, finally, all of you. Now, big theological issue. All means what? All of you. So if you're a believer, guess what? You. He would put your name in there. He said, finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with a blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Peter now looks at everyone and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you some things to look at at your life. And the first thing that he does here, if you will look at those things, those are some external things, but they're external things that start internally. So the first thing Peter is saying here is, you need to live in harmony, but here's what that involves. You've got to look at your heart, and you've got to ask yourself, are these things true of your heart? Are these true of internal qualities in your life? Are you sympathetic? Are you loving? Are you compassionate? Are you humble? Now, remember who's writing this. Peter. Peter, the one who, in his pride, looked at Jesus and said, everybody else can walk away from you, but not me. Peter, the one who Jesus corners after the resurrection, says, do you really love me? This guy's saying, now let me tell you something. Here's what I've learned. If you're really going to follow God... 
And you know, here's the thing. When you look at Peter's life up before the resurrection, these aren't necessarily qualities that we would say describe Peter. Sympathetic, loving, compassionate, humble. But Peter's learned some things. And Peter says, I'm going to tell you right now that if you really want God to work in your life, if you really want God to use you, internally you need to, do a, you need to go through a checklist and ask yourself, are these character traits true of you? And he talks about it. He says, you don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. This is the same guy who, when they came to arrest Christ, what did he do? He was ready to fight. And Peter's saying, now, now, wait a minute. I've learned that's not the way you do it as a believer. It's not the way you do it as a Christ follower. He says, look, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. He said, you have this great inheritance. Don't waste what God's done in your life. So the first challenge that Peter kind of lays out to everybody is this. Okay, folks, listen. You need to live in harmony with other people. Now, you think back over your life this past week. Has it been a harmonious life? And all the married people are saying, "Mm, talk to somebody else. Um, Everybody with little children is going, yeah, right. You don't know, you forgot what that's like, don't you? No, he's saying this. He said, you you don't know my job situation. No, no. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to make a difference in the world, live in harmony. Look at your life and see if these things are internally true. And then he goes on. Listen to what he says next. He says, and by the way, this whole passage, 8 through 12, is really kind of a paraphrase, in some cases, direct quote from Psalm 34. And notice what he says. For whoever will love life and see good days. You real, I think this is fascinating because I want you to think about this for a minute. Peter is looking at a group of people who are being persecuted, who have spent, in some cases, 16 years under Nero. And he looks at these Christians and he says, love life. Yeah, right. Do you know what I do? Do you realize, Peter, every time I walk out my door, I may not come back because I call myself a Christian or a Christ follower? And they want me dead? And you want me to love life? I'm just getting through life. That's all I want to do. I just want to come home alive at the end of the day, Peter. And Peter says, no, no. You really want to love life? You really want to love life? I'm going to tell you how. Notice what he says. You keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from deceitful speech. So he looks at how we talk. Turn from evil and do good. That's the repentance idea, headed this direction, go, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to go a different direction. And then notice what he says. Seek peace and pursue it. And now, this whole idea of peace, folks, I don't know if you understand the, 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 the significance of it in the Bible, but it's an incredibly important concept. Um, peace in the Old Testament is the word any good Jew knows, Shalom. It's used over 330 times. It has the idea not of absence of conflict or absence of struggle, but rather it has the idea of this confident assurance that it's going to be okay. You can have peace no matter what. And, and the idea of a Jew when they greet one another is, they greet one another this way and they end a, end a discussion this way. Peace be unto you. Shalom. Shalom, my friend. Shalom. 
It, they're fun to be around. Jewish people are just fun to be around when they do this. But it's like, shalom, brother, shalom. Peace be to you. In the midst of everything going on, shalom. And in, in, in the Old Testament, it's this phenomenal concept. And the New Testament, it's used about 90 some odd time. It has three ideas in the New Testament. One is peace with God. Romans talks about that. It says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That means that God is no longer your enemy. God is your friend. God, you are his child. You, there is a relationship there, peace with God. There's another kind of peace that comes to a Christian who learns to walk with God, and that's the peace um, of God. Philippians talks about that. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said, there's a, there's a peace that can come as a believer that no matter what's happening in your world, you're okay. Because you know God is in control. God will help you through it. And then Romans chapter 15 talks about the idea that as much life within you live peaceably with all men. The idea that you and I have a responsibility to do everything that we can to be a peacemaker. And so Peter then kind of wraps this thing up, and he, he ends it by saying this way, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayer. He said, God's watching you guys. He sees your response. He sees what you're doing. And he will be attentive to you. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You want to get on God's bad side? Then ignore what he's saying here. That's, in essence, what Peter says. He says, look, God is paying attention. When you do right, God notices. Now, I went through it quick because I want to spend the time illustrating, I want to spend the time talking about, I want to spend the time applying it. So here we go. He deals with two things here, harmony, and he deals with peace. And in this passage, Paul or Peter talks about the idea of, look, you and I need to be at harmony. We need to have harmony in our lives. We need to be at harmony with other people. Um, we had a great musical discussion this morning before church. I'm in territory. I've got no clue what I'm talking about. So let me tell you what I'm gathering this morning from Juanita. I'm going to have help me illustrate this in a second. Music has certain components to it. It has a melody. It has a harmony. There's a rhythm, and according to her, it has some dissonance. Okay? Did I get them all? Is there other stuff? Close enough. Yeah. It's like asking a farmer what he does. You know, it's like, and then you get into this, all of this other stuff. No, no, I just want to know. Basically, give me an idea, you know. You like take care of cattle or farmland, you know, and they've gone through the whole thing on the genetics and everything else. Uh, we kind of got into that discussion. So here's the idea. So for those of you who are younger, according to Juanita, and you can take this up with her after the service, there is no such thing as rap music. <laughs> rap has rhythm, but not harmony, melody, Oh, it has lots of dissonance. So you take that up with her. That's a theological musical discussion you can have with her. I'm out of my realm. Now, Pat, you could probably go round and round about this as well. You know, so if you guys want a quick music lesson afterwards, see Pat one in and you guys can just have it out. Uh, but you can't do that after, after this message because you're supposed to live in harmony. Uh, so anyway, here's the idea. Okay, here's the, here's the concept. 
What Peter says is, your life, you need to live in harmony with other people. So, Juanita, you've got to help me out now, okay? So, okay, we're going to try this. Go, yeah, piano. Yeah, I need you at the piano now. Nick, where's Nick? Come on, you're going to help me out too, okay? All right. Yeah, Nick, this is going to be interesting. Not behind her. Watch what she does. Watch what she does. Okay, so... Let's go with just melody. Play something that's just melody. No, nothing else, just melody. Melody, got it? Now, add melody and harmony. Is that possible? Yeah. Okay, all right. We want melody and harmony now. Here are the difference. See how it adds to it? Okay, now, can we add dissonance? Is that even possible? Huh? Huh? You know what I'm looking for? Just a little bit of this one. Hear the difference? Okay, now, thanks. Now, you go back. You saw that, right? Have a seat. All right, play it. Give it a shot. You saw what she did. Give it a shot. Keep going. Keep going. Don't go back. Just keep going forward. (laughs) Okay, thanks. You made my point. Do you see the difference? You see the difference when you have a melody? And then you add a harmony, and then you, you, you incorporate a little dissonance with it, versus Nick, who gave it a good shot, but it was all dissonance. Okay? It was all dissonance. Why? It didn't go together. It didn't flow. It didn't... Here's my point. Peter's saying, look, in your life, live with, if you will, music that involves all of that. But what's happening with most of you is your life is, is dissonant. There's no order. There's no structure. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of, uh, of, of life happens and you respond. Something happens and you respond. Something happens and you respond. And Peter's saying, look, you can't live like that as a believer. You're not going to love life. You're not going to enjoy life. You're not going to grasp from life what God has for you. Why? Because you don't have the skill, the experience, the expertise, the life... Stuff You don't have that yet. And Peter's telling these people, look, you need to start developing that in your life. Because what they were doing is, something would happen and they would respond. They'd get angry. And they'd go complain against that and gripe against that. And boom, boom, boom. And, and Peter was saying, look, you can't do that as a believer. He's already told them, look, it's got to be about the gospel. Now he's talking about what the gospel looks like. And he says, it involves compassion, sympathy, Humility. It involves those internal things that are going to help you live in harmony with other people. And then he illustrates it and he says, be careful that you don't use, um, what's the word? Uh, Go back one more for me, Cole. Go back to that other passage. Evil for evil or insult with insult. He deals with words and actions. And he says, look at how you're responding. 
Okay? So, Nick, come back up here. You're going to help me again. You're going to love this part of it. This is much better. This is much more in your realm, buddy. I don't want to ruin a good, really good microphone. Stand right there. All right. Here we go. Played this game with your kids before? Everybody done it? Huh? Everybody done it? And we call this what? Catch. Catch. Exactly right. Now, here's what Peter's saying. Here's what some of you do. You insult somebody. And you go, you're ugly. And, ah, wait a minute. And he goes, okay, I know we're just playing. This can be really hard for you. <laughs> Your dad would not have a problem with this. Now, you can call me stupid, okay? So I'm, I'm stupid, all right? And then I insult him and throw it back. And he gets mad and does what? Insults me and throws it back. Listen, this... He's throwing it harder now. <laughs> Got a little anger issue there. We'll talk about that next week. So what's happening? Do you see my point? And this is what's happening. This is how some of you go through life with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, and you wonder why you're not enjoying life. And you know what Peter says? He says, God takes note of this. God's watching this. And if you're going to go to God and say, hey, God, I need your help here. Lousy catch. Um, <laughs> see? I mean, and, and so, and here's what he says. He says, look, you're going to go through life like this, and you want God to listen to you? But let me tell you the kind of person that God does listen to. Because, you see, there are three responses to problems. There's a satanic response. A satanic response says this. You do me good, I'm going to do you evil. That's the way Satan responds. There's a human response, which says, you do me evil, I do you evil. You do me good, I do you good. You respect me, I'll respect you. That's human response. Peter says, I'm not asking you to live either one of those. I'm asking you to kick it up a notch. I'm asking you to live like a child of God. And a child of God lives like this. He insults me. Insult, okay. Yeah, no, don't. Okay, all right. Now I have a choice, don't I? Here's how Christian responds. He calls me something. I say, you know what? I happen to know that Snickers is your favorite. Hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do? Let's say you're really, really ticked at me. I mean, you're really ticked at me. What are you going to do? You know, yeah. <laughs> you're really, really ticked at me. What would you probably do? First of all, do you like Snickers? Oh, you don't? Okay, let's say you do. Let's say he goes, and he's still mad at me, so what's he going to do now? You're still mad at me. There you go. And I go, you know what? I know... You like Kit Kats and York. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? I think you really look nice today, too. Skittles. You know what? I have no control over his response. And every time he can pick all this up, 
put it in his pocket. You're cleaning up today, buddy. And you know what? He can turn around and throw it right back at me. Not out of candy, but I do have a Reese's. Love you, bud. <laughs> Thanks, you made my point. All right, that's all yours, too. Yeah, go enjoy it. Okay. Do you get what Peter's saying? Peter's saying, look, seek peace and pursue it. Learn to take the insults, the mistreatment, everything else, put it down, put a blessing out there, and walk away. But here's what's happened. Some of you, all you know is throwing it back all the time. And you wonder why you don't have peace. Your spouse says something wrong. Oh, I'm going to say something about, about them. Well, you don't think I take out the trash? Well, I've noticed that you don't clean the house like I think it should. And who did my laundry today? And you didn't do the laundry the way I thought it should be done. And e e e e e e e e e e And some of you, some of you, you know what? You go, ha, that's not me. I don't, I don't, I don't insult my spouse. I don't insult my coworkers. I don't. So you know what you do? You collect footballs all day long. So somebody insults you and you hold on to it. And you might even share it. Did you see what they said about me? They, 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 you know what they did to me? And I was so nice to them. I'm old on the football. And you're walking around like 80 footballs, and you're going, I don't like, I just, I, I want to have fun in life, but life is so hard. Peter says, look, put it down, put a blessing out there, walk away. You want to really have peace in your life when you're mistreated, when people treat you wrong, when people insult you, when people do, do things wrong? Then you know what? You need to learn to trade insult for blessing. Notice the first thing that he starts out about. Watch your tongue. Look at your speech. The Bible says it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Stop for a minute and think about your language over the last week. You want a, you want a really good heart checkup? That's a great checkup. Have your words been kind or cutting? Have your words built up or torn down? What kind of words are coming out? Because that's a good reflection of what's going on in your heart. You, know, you don't have to answer to me. I'm not the one watching. God is. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, look, when you're here throwing this back and forth, God's watching. And then you're going to go to God and say, hey, God, look, I really, want, I really want your wisdom here on what to do. Well, you won't even be obedient in this. Why is God going to show you something different? I mean, you can't be obedient in the simple things. Why would God show you something that he wants you to do? And that's what Peter says. He says, look, you want to inherit the blessing? You want God to listen? Then here's what you do. You do what I've asked. You put it down. You give... You, and, and so God now, in heaven, looks at him insulting me the whole time. And every time, I, resp- I, I don't have any say over whether he throws football at me. All I have a say on is what I do with it when it's thrown at me. I can't stop him from doing that. That's between him and God. He's got to give an account to that. But I can stop my response of throwing it back. And that's what Peter said. He says, when that happens, put it down, put a blessing, and God sees that. 
And God in heaven looks down and goes, and then you pray to God and you say, God, I need your wisdom here on what to do. Is God going to answer your prayer now? You bet. Is God going to show you what he wants you to do? You bet. Why? Because he knows. If you'll be obedient in this stuff, you'll be obedient in the, big, in the bigger stuff. And that's what he's talking about here. That's what Peter's saying. Because these people were looking at all the things that were happening to them, and they were, they, they, they were internalizing it, they were making a big deal, they were responding the wrong way, and Peter said, look, the world's not going to see Christ if you keep responding like they respond. So when your boss comes in and treats you unfairly, instead of grabbing that football and going and sharing everybody what dumb thing your boss did, you go in and put anonymous gift certificate on his desk for his favorite restaurant. Anonymously. Your spouse comes uncorked on you. You look at him and say, I'm sorry, I love you. And you find something that you know they want done and you go do it. Oh, but they don't deserve it. That's not what Peter said. It's about what God sees in your heart as you respond. That's what it's about. That's what, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about what a real, genuine Christianity is going to look like. If we want the world to notice, we can't respond like they respond. That's why he says, this applies to everybody. Everybody in here is going to be mistreated or insulted this week in some way. One of those two things is going to happen to every single one of us. The question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? Kids... Listen, news flash. There are teachers that are unfair. And you know what? <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I, lo I love the candor of kids. <laughs> you know what? There are teachers that are unfair, but you know what? It's great life preparation because you know why? Because you will one day have a boss that's unfair. You will one day have an employer that's unfair. You will one day be in an unfair situation. Are you ready for this? There are referees that don't call every game perfectly. It's just part of it. Dave Baker's going, well, I do. You apparently have never seen a game I've ref. And I refer back to verse 8 about humility. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, does it make sense? Is this clicking for you? See, one of the reasons we can't live in harmony, one of the reasons we can't be at peace, one of the reasons we can't genuinely love life is because we haven't learned this. And that's what Peter says to these people. He says, look, you really want to love life? You really want peace? And here's the irony. Some of you, the reality of it is, you have lived in turmoil and chaos for so long, peace is a scary concept to you. One of the biggest adjustments for me, from my background, when I moved to the country, was the quiet. Drove me insane. Because I wasn't used to that. Now, you know what drives me crazy about the city? The noise. Because I'm used to quiet. I have learned the skill and am learning the skill of music, of harmony, of, of, of melody, of dissonance, of trying to get them balanced. And so when dissonance comes, when those rough patches come in my life, that's okay. I just need to learn a set of skills to handle it. And God continues to allow those things to come into my life, to continue to teach me and continue to grow me, because that's what he wants. You know, I, I was a little 
troubled this morning because I asked Juanita, I said, why do we have to have dissonance in music? You know what her answer was? Because otherwise it's boring. Which even took my illustration even further. But enough said about that. But I mean, the idea is this. Look, please understand what he's saying here. And some of you, the reality of it is in your home this week, harmony, peace, they're foreign concepts. And I'm going to be very honest with you if you have children in that home. I fear for them because they deserve better. They deserve better. And by the way, everything that they know about marriage, they're learning from you. The biggest issue I have when, I, when a couple comes to me to get married is we sit down and I say, tell me, tell me three great things about your parents' marriage or your parents' experience in marriage and tell me three things that you don't want to do. And we talk about ways to keep those out and ways to bring the others in. And I say, because if you don't ever think this through, you will bring all of that into your marriage. Because the only thing we know about marriage is what we saw in our parents. And for some of you, you were fortunate enough those were good things. For some of you, there was no good thing. And so you really struggle because you, you have no reference point. And that's where the word of God becomes so essential to you that you take these kinds of principles and go, you know what? I am going to live in harmony this week. We are going to incorporate some things this week. I am going to seek peace. And as much as we want to fight, we put the ball down. We don't carry it around. We don't throw it back. He said, Peter said, that's the way to live it out realistically. So my challenge for all of us this week is, when those situations come this week, and they will, and they will. They will in my life. They will in your life. I can already tell you what's going to happen to me. And it's going to, I can tell you what's going to tick me off this week and where God's going to just hammer me over the head with it. It's going to be some driving situation <laughs> or it's going to be in line at a store somewhere. Because it already happened. I was working on a message this week and sure enough, I don't care what line I got into this week. It was always the longest one. And you've got to understand, I'm a guy, so when I shop, it's, it, it, it's like conquer the hill and move on. I am not about the experience. <laughs> I am about, I mean, I go in, you got to, I lay my list out, because I, I do the shopping, I lay my list out according to aisle. And I mean, I am. I, it is like a strategic attack when I walk in the store. It's boom, 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 boom. And once in a while, I'll run into one of you, and I will, I will push aside my list. That's really hard for me to do. Um, I saw somebody the other day, and I'm, I was fortunate. They were like me. So it's like, hey, hey, we kept on going. Um, we were good. My point is, it's going to happen this week. I don't know that my wife will do something to set me off. It's probably been a while since she's done that, but now that I've said it, she might. Um, but there'll be something. What's that? On purpose, On purpose yeah. Because it's never my fault. Um, how am I going to respond? I don't have a choice what footballs get thrown at me, what insults or what, what mistreatments come my way. All I can re do is how I respond. And Peter says, respond in a way that glorifies God because he's watching. 
Seek peace this week. Seek harmony. Work those things out. And in that way, God's honored with your life. I end it with this. May each of you this week be honest. May we each look at our own hearts. May God help us to develop compassion, love, sympathy, and humility. May each of us bring our lives into harmony with God's plan. And as we go through this week, may we pursue peace while living in the middle of a hostile world.